Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Manda is a writer, speaker, and an advocate committed to helping women grow in their relationship with God, self, and others. She is a neighbor, question asker, and cheerleader of the underdog. Manda and her husband, Eric, are foster parents and hosts of A Longer Table podcast. They live with their son, Shia, in Los Angeles, California. For more, check out at Manda Carpenter on Instagram and mandacarpenter.com. Manda, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm just so excited for you to be here again. This is your second um, appearance. Thank you. I know it's been a couple of years. Yeah, it's been a while. I think it was a few seasons ago, but definitely um, a great episode. If anybody wants to go back and listen to our conversation previously, um, that was before we were like uh, friends, friends, but now we like know each other in real life. <laughs> we have gone through um, the book publishing process at the, at the same time. So now we're like tied together. Yes. That was before we like <laughs> met in person, sent audio messages back and forth and, and just got really uh, real with each other. So I love it. Yeah. This should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you have just released a book and I read it. And it's so dang good. Well, okay. So this is, I listened to it because that's my favorite way to consume it. I listened to it. So you got to tell me all the things. Like it was like, we were hanging out, um, having coffee and that's my favorite thing. But when I tell you after, like I almost, before I would start it, I would be like, okay, all right, Ainsley, you're about to like, you're about to have to take some action on some things. So you better like Mm. get ready, you know? Yeah. Is that like, what's your heart behind it? What do you hope that people do whenever they read it or listen to it? Yeah. First of all, I love that you listened to it because reading my own book, like narrating my own was, was so fun and something I enjoyed even more than I thought I would. So I was super Mm. glad to have that opportunity. Um, and yeah, I always tell people, if you love my voice, then definitely listen to it. If you think I'm annoying, just read it. Um, but I love that you did that. And I love that you described that, like, as you got into it, you had to gear up for each chapter, knowing that you were going to be challenged and kind of have a kick in the pants because that's my personality. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to dim that down or dial it down. I actually have a friend who's always, uh, lovingly reminding me, like, turn the volume up, like, don't, don't dim your light. Don't, um, turn the volume down or try to play small. And that's really helpful for me because a lot of my life, I have been told to be a little quieter, shrink myself, Mm -hmm. don't take up so much space. So love that you feel that. And at the same time, my hope for people when they read soul care to save your life is that they will just genuinely be pulled in by the stories. I tell a lot of stories. It's very story driven and, and relate. And, and honestly, just feel like I'm not the only one, like a a huge Mm. exhale, uh, because I describe so many different struggles and I'm just really honest about hardships for myself in relationships I've been in, you know? And so I really wanted people just to be prompted to look inward. I I don't think we have enough 
spaces and places and people who are holding up a mirror for us or who are asking really deep introspective questions. And that's so much of what my book does, right? It's the intersection of faith and psychology. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to basically in a in a friendly way, hold up a mirror for people so that they could see themselves more clearly and hopefully within that journey, uh, deepen their relationship with God, whatever that looks like for them. Yes. I think you did that so well. And I'm not just trying to flatter you. I really do mean it. And I really, I mean that for the sake of the listeners who are listening to our conversation right now, like I think that you held up a mirror in a way that I've never seen before on paper or in a book, right? Because it was like, it wasn't just, Hey, this is what you should do. It's, Hey, this is what I did. This is why it changed my life. And this is why I think it would be beneficial to you. And Mm. that levels the playing ground. I think like it kind of makes someone keep, let their guard lower and be like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I am not alone in this. I have had that thought. I have done this, what X, Y, Z, this thing, or felt this emotion and Oh my gosh, someone else has to not only have they, they're brave enough to talk about it. If they're brave enough to talk about it, then I can be brave enough to talk about it. And it's like this charge. And I want to also mention that I do feel, I did feel challenged in the best way. So oh, good. I don't want that to ever be a negative thing. I felt challenged in the best way. And I literally called my uh, counselor after I finished it. And I said, yeah, girl, we got to talk. <laughs> I like, love set me up. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so glad. And you know, the reality is if someone's in a really healthy place, this book is going to serve them well, it's going to probably illuminate some new things for them. Mm-hmm. But if someone's not in a healthy place, I mean, first of all, that, that it's, it's equally, if not even more for that person. But what I will say is a word of caution. It will trigger you. There yeah. will be things in it that will probably trigger you to feel defensive or to maybe even just not like me or be annoyed by me. And I, I wrote that at one point in the book, I'm like, I pray that you don't read this and think I'm a mean girl and slam this book shut. Like I said that out loud, uh, in the book, I wrote it and obviously said it when we recorded the audio version because I meant it. I knew that there was a chance talking about all the things that no one sees, which is so much of soul care, right? Soul care is taking care of the parts of yourself that no one else sees your motivations, your intentions, your struggles, all the things people can't see. That's, that's what soul care has to do with. And so when there aren't often people in places that are digging that up for you or helping you dig that up, uh, this book will, and it might be difficult. So I'm glad that you received it that way. And I think that's so much says so much about who you are and the fact that you pursue health and wholeness. And I'm not talking about physical health. I'm talking about inner and spiritual and emotional health. So I love that. Oh yeah. And it's, and it was hard, you know, doing that work and like working through that, but I think it's so refreshing to do it too. Like whenever you close the book, you're just like, Oh, wait, I can take care of my soul. Like it is so important, you know, in addition to taking care of yourself physically and, um, but that emotional health and that internal soul care is just so valuable. I'm glad you described soul care because that is what I was going to ask you is what, what even is it? What does that look like? And you have reflection questions at the end of every chapter. Did you 
when you were writing those, did you kind of go through them yourself? And were you like, oh, you know, did you kind of eliminate some stuff as you were going through it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was really fun because after I wrote the book, I went back to each chapter and then wrote the questions and my Mm. husband helped me, which is why I joke that his name should be on the book too. Cause I'm like, I didn't write this book alone. My editor helped me and my husband helped me. And anyways, it was, it was so fun for him. And I, we came up with the questions and then in order to quote unquote, like pass the test of whether or not they should stay as one of the five questions, since we limited it to five per chapter, Mm -hmm we went through them together. And Mm. if it basically didn't pull out what we were hoping for it to pull out, if it didn't get us vulnerable and honest, if it wasn't a question that we saw value in, then we, then we like threw it away and tried for another one. And so it felt really fun to kind of get to the final five questions for each chapter. I mean, things like, what do you feel shame about? When are you most tempted to lie, cover up or hide? I mean, it, if you use these questions by yourself, it's really helpful, but I think it's even more helpful if you're willing to use them in a small group or with a spouse or with a bestie or a mentor, because I think so our healing, we can only go so far on our own. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can go so much further and, and experience so much more healing if you're willing to invite others in. And so that was like my hope, you know, mm-hmm. was, that these questions would actually be used to breed intimacy between people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that is incredible. And I now, now I'm challenged again to do these questions with someone. So thank (laughs) you. Thank you. (laughs) Cause I did them by myself, but now I'm like, you know, "Mm, that's a good call. I know. And you could use them. Like I even tell people like, these are great, like date night questions, but be prepared. You might fight or cry. Like just know, (laughs) just know that going into it. And then, you know, if you use it with a friend, just make sure it's the kind of friend that is actually a friend who loves you unconditionally. Because if you're going to get really honest, you know, and share hardships, like I had a friend tell me that she's, uh, she basically was like, Hey, I don't really know who else to tell at this point, but based on your book, I feel like I need to come forward that I am like super, super deep in credit card debt. And I'm so ashamed, but like by telling me she was like, I can now implement some accountability. So now we're like checking in. It's not like I'm her life coach. I'm still just her friend, but she felt safe enough because I went first in the book and told my quote unquote, deep, dark secrets that she could say, Hey, here's this thing that I struggle with that no one would ever guess about me. And I don't want to struggle with this forever. And, and I wrote this in the book, like in James, in the book of James, for people who like to tie everything to scripture, especially it's spelled out for us, confess your sins to, to one another, and you will be healed. Like, I think for some reason, the church, the formula we're given is like, pray, read your Bible, worship, go to church. Those things are important, but like, we're missing some key ingredients towards healing. Healing is not just found in those things there's confession, there's awareness. I mean, I know you're an Enneagram expert, so like, you know, the value of the Enneagram and what that can do for our healing. Yet so many places like the church tend to leave out anything that's not within that little model I just described. And I would argue that the majority of my healing and the majority of my personal and spiritual growth has happened, not through reading my Bible or praying or going to church, although I have experienced growth, so don't write me off, (laughs) but I would say it's been through confession honestly, confession and tools for my self-awareness, because if Mm -hmm. I don't know and love myself, uh, 
I'm not sure to what degree can I know and love God? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was honestly hearing you say that reminded me like the reason that I'm so passionate about the Enneagram is because it did show me how to fall in love with the person that God made. You know, there was this disconnect between me and God, because I was like almost angry. Like, I don't understand why you made me this way. I don't understand what this means. I don't understand why I do X, Y, Z. Then when I'm reading it on paper and I'm like, oh, that's what you were doing. And I don't understand everything God does. Obviously I have no, I'm not claiming that, but I am saying that it did allow me to, to get a glimpse of why he loves me. You know, the beauty that he sees in me and the gifts that he's giving me to bless other people and to, to further the kingdom. I mean, yeah, the self care tools, the self love tools that, I mean, they're there for a reason. And I loved the Enneagram specifically because it did so much for me, but then I always say the Enneagram is like open heart surgery and you're just laying there bleeding out on the table and you need the great physician to come sew you up and restore and all of that. So you're so right about that. I said this in the book. I don't know if you remember it, but I said that self-love without self-awareness is destructive and delusional. Yes. And that's why tools like the Enneagram or services like therapy and mentors and those types of relationships and mirror holders and books are so important because in a culture that says just love yourself, well, um, love is good. We need self-love. I I agree with that. Uh, But I think the pendulum has almost swung too far in one direction. And I think that we are to love the person that God made us and to become aware of the ways in which we fall short and need God. And Mm -hmm. without both of those things, it's like a, it's like a compass with a broken needle. We can't go where we, where we want to, um, we're, it's destructive and delusional. So I just love this so much. And if people listening for whatever reason, haven't taken the test to start to identify perhaps what their Enneagram type is, I would so lovingly encourage it. I think it's Mm -hmm. also just so fun. It's improved all my relationships. Like as I get to know myself and the way I'm received by others, I I'm, it's not that I'm changing who I am to make them comfortable, but it's like, Oh, Amanda, you're an eight. You're, you tend to be really intense. Sometimes what you mean to be loving people are receiving as really pushy and and it's actually putting them off. Okay. Now that I have that self-awareness, I can show up in relationship a little differently in a way that I can actually communicate love. Cause that's what I was trying to communicate, but it wasn't always being received as love. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just been so helpful for friendships, for my marriage, just all around. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's changed my life. I mean, that's why I dedicate so much time to it, but say the, your quote again, because I don't want to repeat it and then get it wrong, but I'm glad you said it because I actually remember where I was walking, listening to the audio book when I heard Mm. you say it. So that's Mm. how impactful it is, but say it one more time just to drive it home. Yeah. Self-love without self-awareness is delusional and destructive. So good. That's so good because it's just so true. And I I agree with everything you just said about the pendulum swinging too far and all of these things. Okay. One, another thing, I haven't even touched the questions that I have planned for you. (laughs) So I'm going to get to those, but there's only like four. Um, Okay. One other thing that was so amazing and Um, I guess something that came out of this book for me 
is you told a story in the book where you basically um, didn't know someone super well, said something, and they kind of adjusted their lens to their perspective. And they had to just kind of take a look uh, inward, like your goal is. Well, so I went to this tattoo parlor recently. Oh, we actually, I texted you before I went to the tattoo parlor because we, I got the same idea. We had the same idea. Wait, can I see it? Yes. I don't know if you can see it. Hold on. Can you see it? Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, I can. (laughs) So we both have our baby's silhouettes. Is that what profiles? Profiles. Profiles. Fine line tattoo. Yes. Which is so fun. So I'm sitting there and I'm explaining to this guy, you know, what I want and all this stuff. And he's just straight up insulting me, like berating me, like basically being like, your idea is stupid. So like one of the, I'm trying to give an example without saying like a million times, but that's not happening. So I was asking him whenever we do the profile, should it be outward facing where other people can see it or should it be where I can see it? And he was like, well, whenever you uh, look in the mirror, what does your hat look like? What does your shirt look like? It's common sense that it should be outward facing where everyone else can see it. Wow. Yes. Just like that. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So the part of me that is non-confrontational really wants to crawl up and just die. Mm -hmm. But then I literally thought, I was like, no, say the hard thing (laughs) and do like be brave and probably, I mean, a direct correlation from your book because I just finished it, I think. And I remember thinking, I can say this lovingly. I can say this, that will make an impact. And I thought of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, I said it, I was like, you're, you're not making me feel heard right now. I'm feeling like I'm, I want to leave and I I'm paying you to be here. Like what is going on? And I was also crying (laughs) because I, I was being brave, but I also just started bawling crying. (laughs) And then he ended up really being so apologetic. It was almost like this bonding moment for us. And we, we even emailed afterwards because I was like, look, I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say because I'm just too emotional. And this is what I want to say. And I'm choosing not to leave you a negative public review because I don't, I do think that you have a good heart. I just, I need to communicate this. Yes. And he responded and was like, I honestly have not stopped thinking about that day. I'm just so, so sorry that I upset you and that I hurt you. Like it was amazing. And I was like, this is, this is it. Like this is, we have arrived at this bridge and yes. And all, and the soul care that that launched him into was just so rewarding. Yes. I love this story so much because you're right. It's a direct tie to one of the stories that I share in my book in chapter six, it's called impressing is exhausting. And I think so often when we think of impressing, we think of like boasting, puffing our chest out, but also impressing can be shrinking a lot of Mm -hmm. times. Ainsley, in Mm. that scenario, you would have withheld in, in an effort to impress because you didn't want to ruffle feathers. You wanted to avoid conflict. It's more impressive at times to just, uh, quiet and shrink back. But instead of, of choosing the hidden path, you decided to choose to be seen and to show up 
not impressive at all, but, yeah. but actually, actually more impressive, right? Like it's a weird, it's yeah. a weird play on, yeah. it's a weird play on language here. But in the book, I try to explain that so often in my life, I know who God has called me to be and who God wired me to be. And yet in an effort to make other people comfortable, I will play small. I will shrink back. I will hide. I won't say the thing that the Holy Spirit is nudging me to say. And I told that story in the book of me saying the thing that the Holy Spirit was nudging me to say, because it was one of many examples, but that was a really powerful one for me that stood out where I said the thing it, I wasn't exactly sure how it was received in the moment, but then the mm-hmm. next day to get a message from the person I said it to saying, thank you for what you said yeah. was such a confirmation that the Holy spirit will not lead us astray. And that sometimes telling the truth in love and being bold enough to not quote unquote impress is yeah. really important, not only for yourself and your journey, but in order to love and care for someone else. Like you said, you probably sprung that tattoo artist into a whole journey of like, I mean, I mean, maybe that's really the first and only time that's ever happened to him, but I would venture to guess it's not. And it wasn't just a quote bad day, but it's, uh, something that's going on within him that he needs to look inward and figure out. And by Mm -hmm. you being so brave enough to say something and then follow up with an email and you were gracious, right? It's both. And as Jesus followers, I'm not saying we should go around like picking people apart. That is not the message at all. Yeah. But by you listening to the voice within you, whether that's your own intuition, whether that's the Holy spirit or a combination, right? You did the thing and it honestly serves the world when you do it. And I love so much that you did that because that experience sounds uh, just really like unfortunate and completely unnecessary. Totally so, unnecessary. I'm and glad, it, it, I'm, I'm glad it you showed crazy. up. Yeah, I, I did, but I don't know that I would have had I not felt like I knew that you had before or like someone, you know, like this was okay. This has turned out okay before. Maybe this would turn out okay this time. And it honestly turned out better than I could have ever prayed for someone to Aww. a stranger who was incredibly cruel and initially okay cruel is a, a harsh term but he was harsh he was very harsh i mean that that example that i gave was like the nicest thing he said you know yeah. he told told me that one of my tattoos that it wasn't even a tattoo it was terrible and mm. i'm was dumb for even I, anyway okay besides the point but <laughs> no I'm i thinking i get of it like though. yeah I, the book really helped me show up and show up for myself too. And I think that was the the bigger thing was like, I showed up for myself because I was able to do that soul care and that reflection and able to validate. No, I, I, I'm, I'm okay. And correct feeling the things that I'm feeling. Yeah, absolutely. My book is finally coming out into the world. I am so excited. I cannot wait to share it with you. But I do know that some of you have a similar dream in your heart that you want to write a book. Y'all, I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you how to do it in four months or less and you're gonna get it done and you're gonna write the book of your dreams. So if you go to ainsleybritton.com and click the field guides, there is one specifically called how to write a book. So check it out. Get your book done in three to four months and bring it out into the world. We need your words. It's time. Let's do it together. Check out the field guide and let me know what you think.
Okay. So I love that you are so story heavy in the book that I think that's what is so connective with people. I mean, that's why Jesus, you know, taught in parables and all these things. So anyway, you open the book like right out of the gate by sharing with readers that you were unfaithful to your husband early on in your marriage, which you kept hidden for months. What made you realize that you needed to deal with this mistake and how? Yeah. Yeah. I get real. I don't follow the Christian formula for how to write a book that sells. So, um, (laughs) I, I feel like people probably read my first chapter and they either were like super into it because it's just, uh, I go there or, or they were like, this girl's crazy. Why would I listen to her? She, you know, royally screwed up. And then they slam the book shut and leave me a one-star review. I don't know, but (laughs) I, I, so to answer your question, I, didn't have a choice on whether or not to tell. Now, I wish that I had told him sooner. I wished that I had come forward sooner. Um, the reality is without, you know, like, like I do in the book, I, it's not a juicy story. I don't give tons of details. I didn't want to distract anyone and make it like a, um, a romance novel. Cause that's not at all what my book is. Yeah. But so, so without going further into detail than I do in the book. What I can say is that I was never going to get caught. Uh, what was done was done. It, it wasn't recurring. It was an un, unbeknownst to me, emotional affair that led to a one-time physical interaction. And when that physical interaction happened is, is when I became aware that, oh snap, what's been going on all these past months it, was a, was an emotional affair. Like, it, like it yeah, kind of all yeah, yeah. dawned on me in that moment. And I know that sounds crazy and people are probably, you know, there's going to be people who don't fully understand, but I do break it down in that chapter. As you probably remember from reading it, like I, looking back, it's so clear, but in, in the moment I wrote off these things as like no big deal, like how often this person complimented me and how much I enjoyed their attention. And the fact that certain text messages were flirty enough that I would like hide it from my husband or make sure that he, you know, he didn't see it. Um, which again, in the moment, because I wasn't living super consciously or caring for my soul. I, I, I really just, uh, I wasn't aware I wasn't conscious. And therefore I thought nothing was a big deal. Obviously the day that things got physical was the day that the lights kind of turned on for me. And I realized, you know, what I had done. So sorry, I'm giving probably more than you wanted, but just to answer your question of how did I finally come to a point where I knew I needed to confess? Well, after the physical thing happened, I, I severed the relationship and I told myself like, whoo, that was terrible. You will never do that again. And I felt horrible, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, it's not like I didn't love my husband or want to be with him. And so I was terrified of losing him. And like, like, how do you go to the person you love that you've committed your life vows to and say, I screwed up. Like, I mean, there is no good, easy way to do that. Yeah. So unfortunately for a while, I just was like, well, I would justify, right. My mind would justify. I would tell myself, well, it's never going to happen again. You learn from it. Telling him's only going to hurt him. There were these voices that would Mm -hmm. tell me these things. It's only going to cause more harm, but day by day, I grew more and more depressed. I got so depressed that I actually started having suicidal ideation and basically believed that it was either I die or I tell the truth and my world's going to end. Like I didn't really see any positive or potentially hopeful, restored 
kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I really only saw there's going to be horrific consequences like divorce and all these things, or I'm better off not being here anymore. And which is so sad because now that I'm on the other side of it, which we can talk a little bit about what that journey has been like, but now that I'm on the other side, it it's crazy to look back and to think of how unstable I became mentally, spiritually, emotionally because of shame. I mean, that's ultimately what was keeping me living with this secret was shame and, and shame does its very best work in secret. So what happens is that the Mm. more time that goes on that you have a secret, like I did, the, the harder it becomes to ever come out with it. Like the Mm -hmm. further removed I got, the more I actually felt ashamed. And so I'd have these like days where I think I was going to tell, and I was like gearing myself up because to be honest, Ainsley, there was about an 11 month period from the time that it happened to telling my husband that I, every single day I would have thoughts about, I'd rather just die. Like I don't want to be here. And so God sent someone in my path. That's the best way to explain it. I ended up meeting someone through my church. She became my mentor and I don't think she or I knew why at the time, but it was through that relationship that God really used her to become this really safe person for me to expose my shadow side and my struggles in which I ended up confessing to her. And about 15 minutes after telling her what happened, I was driving home to our apartment in Chicago and told my husband. So it went from no one knowing for 11 months to telling my mentor and my husband within like a 30 minute time frame. Oh my so gosh. It, it's almost like once I finally confessed it, it was like, Oh, that, I mean, it sucked. I'm not going to downplay it, but it was almost like, I felt free. I felt light. I could, I could do it. And so, yeah, yeah fifth, it was like short time after telling her my mentor that, and she lovingly had encouraged me immediately. Once I told her like, yes, we need you to, you know, you need to talk to Eric about this. And so I ran home and I told him, did I even answer the question? I gave a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You definitely did. Um, Oh shoot. What was I going to say? I was going to say that the forgiveness, maybe some of the lightness was even knowing that forgiveness can't come without the confession. Like you can't even have the hope. Oh, come so then there's a, at least a little inkling of hope. Yes. And my mentor- if someone, if I, if I admitted this to someone and they didn't sprint in the other direction or confirm, yes, you should unalive yourself, then maybe someone else might agree. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Totally. I definitely think that's true. And uh, again, I couldn't see that in real time, but looking back, absolutely. And my mentor one thing she did that was so great that I think we should all do for each other. If we're holding space for another person is she didn't make any grand false promises. For example, Mm. she never said everything's going to be totally okay. Eric's going to stay with you. There's not going to be any major consequences. She didn't say any of that. Um, she didn't promise me a happy ending. All Mm -hmm. she promised me was a life worth living, that there would be life worth living at the, on the other side of this. Yeah. And I didn't know if that would mean divorce and if that would mean, you know, lots of things. I had no idea what the consequences were going to be, but I knew there would be consequences. There always are for our actions. And Mm -hmm. 
I told Eric, I was met with so much grace and I also don't want to over romanticize it. Like I share in the book, his very first words were, but I still love you. Like it was almost like a question. It was almost like a question. Like he was just in shock. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. And that was really beautiful. But again, not to over romanticize it in the days and weeks and months that followed, there was a lot of tears, a lot of anger, Mm -hmm. a ton of counseling individually and together. And there, there, I, I will say for us, there wasn't a time where divorce was thrown out there. We were both pretty committed to like, he believed me when I told him that I didn't do what I did because of a lack of love for him, that I had done what I did because of a lack of awareness of a void that I was seeking to fill. And that the awareness of that, that I was kind of figuring out through counseling, um, that I wanted to invite him to be a part of the healing journey with me. And, and again, it might seem crazy to people, but inviting him in to get to the root and not to stay at the surface. I think so many people, especially with infidelity, you know, they're like, once a cheater, always a cheater. I just think that's such bull crap. If I can say that here, because that reduces a person to a mistake that, uh, in a single mm-hmm. moment in their life for, for at least a lot of people. And it's so hopeless. Like, mm-hmm. do you really not believe someone can heal and change? And what I yeah. will say is I think that phrases like that are often used and become so popular purely because most people don't do the work, the inner work to get yeah. to the root, to really heal. So they yeah. do repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I wrote this book because I'm over six years removed from it. And even though it's not like decades upon decades, I'm six years removed from it. And I honestly don't even have temptation to step outside of my marriage. God can heal, but you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to come forward and reveal what it is that you struggle with that. That's, there is no way around it is what I found. Yeah. And I think that like, when you're talking about this specific instance, honestly, people can't think you're crazy. Because everyone has something from a lack of awareness of a void that they have tried to fill in some way. So the second they think you're crazy is just an ignoring of their own void. So they can go ahead and sit down and (laughs) sit down in a therapy chair, please, in a chair in therapy. Because honestly, that is true. Like the reason that your story is you know, resonant or so intriguing is because it's so honest. But the thing is, is that if they would sit down and be honest with their lack of awareness of a void, they would find the freedom in their own honesty and find that they too have a life worth living. And that grace is available, even if it's not from a human. I mean, thankfully, Eric did you know, have a fullness of that, but even if it's not, you're met with grace from the God of the universe and he's ready to pull that out, but you have to be willing to put it out there. Yeah. And I love that you said that because one quick thing that I will say is the, the redemption that I celebrate in my book or what I want to be abundantly clear while I do celebrate my marriage. And I'm so thankful for our redemption and restoration. That's not 
the main theme here. The main mm-hmm, theme is that totally. God redeemed and restored me. My marriage surviving the affair, that's a beautiful, like amazing, honestly, miracle. But what we know to be true is that God is a restorer and a redeemer, mm-hmm. and he can mm-hmm. do that for all of us. And mm-hmm. so no matter what it is that we carry around um, in secret with shame, God can heal. And that's, that's what I want to celebrate less of our marriage and more of just like God spared my life. I'm still here. I'm being Mm -hmm. used. There's purpose, uh, not only in my pain, but just my life in general. And I wake up every day to a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. And, and to think that at one point about six years ago, I thought I'm better off dead. Yeah. That is so sad. Yeah. And that that's why I wrote soul care to save your life, because I believe that looking inward, doing our work, not only does it save ourselves, it saves each other. The more we can be honest and transparent and live lives in the light in community with other people. Uh, I think the more we're going to experience healing and see Jesus in, in our day-to-day ordinary lives that that is my hope. That is my prayer. That's why I wrote this book. Yes, it's incredible. And I think that that is that hope really translates um, across those pages. And I think that if we do live how you're talking about linking arms, being honest, laying judgment down, because literally who can judge nobody like stop. (laughs) Anytime somebody gets judgmental, like stop, (laughs) stop. It's not cute. It's not cute. And you know what? If we could lay it down, I wonder how much freedom is on the other side of that. Not, I mean, we have freedom in Christ and like grace in Christ, but like, what about for each other? What about grace and just freedom with our relationships where we can, oh my gosh, like that would just be so refreshing. And I think it would change the culture of the American church. But anyway, that's a way we could probably talk about a whole nother thing about that. We could Um, another time. Yeah. But okay. uh, I know that everyone's like chomping at the book. Okay. Where can I get this book? Or they're terrified because they're like, my life is literally about to change. Um, Either way, (laughs) either way, where can they get it? Where can they connect with you? All the things, all the places. Yeah. Uh, You can find my book anywhere books are sold online. So Target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, just go online grab a copy. Um, you can request it through a local bookstore. I think I'm not sure, you know, how the book world's weird. Like, I think it's, (laughs) I think you can just request it, but, uh, all the major places and you can connect with me online at Manda Carpenter on Instagram and mandacarpenter.com is where I offer freebies and coaching and, uh, connect with people more that way. So yeah, thanks so much for having me and reading my book and having such nice things to say about it. I love Um, you. Absolutely. I love you. You're the best. And I'm just thankful you um, just were brave enough to write this and change lives. And you're amazing. Thank you. Thanks. The feeling is mutual. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.